Welcome to Innovative Interactions, a show by Resemble AI where we talk with makers, tinkers, and creative people to find out about the tools, tricks, insights, and techniques they use to bring their best ideas to life. All right, today we have Bowen Mendelson, a creative director who's worked with brands like Coke, Orange Theory, BP, Quaker, Navy Federal, Sears, Huggies, and many more. We'll talk about the fundamentals of creative direction, where things have come from, where technology has taken us to, how we continue to interact with our consumers, apps, social media, TV, radio, print. Let's get right into it. All right, Bowen, so you've had a long and successful career in creative marketing. How have, if they have, the fundamentals of creative marketing progressed in the last couple of decades? So, I mean, I'd, I'd say that when I started, it was all about traditional media, uh, writing for TV, writing for radio, um, you know, you know, advertising to them, to the, to the masses via, you know, all just the really simple traditional ways. And now it's way more about what I like to call sort of like meaningful brand interactions. And what that looks like is create like marketing can really be anything and everything these days. It's, uh, you know, when I worked at Orange Theory, it was creating a, a guided run and, and, and using beats to influence heart rate and breathing. Um, and, and, and just really like trying to find new and interesting ways to, to connect with consumers because people become savvy nowadays and not a lot of people watch a lot of TV and YouTube videos. People like to skip the, you know, the pre-rolls. So it's really trying to find, you know, new ways to interact with the consumer. And that's where it's going. It's really become also very like, you know, hyper uh, targeted to, to who you're trying to speak with. And that's incredibly important that you know who your target is and what they like. Because the more you know about them, the better you can target them and also speak to them in a way that they understand and relate to. So on that, on that note, so sounds like part of what you're talking about is, so you've gone from traditional now to where there's so many tools available. So, and you just mentioned people like to skip over the pre-rolls. People don't want to see ads. Um, so in that ocean where people are just finding that they can be so self-service, how do you create ads and collateral that people want to engage with? Um, the answer to that is you don't create ads. You create experiences. Um, I'll give you an example. So uh, I was a creative director on Coke for, for a while. And they have this, uh, they have what are called and partnerships. So it's like Coke and Delta, Coke and AMC. And so we, on a project for Coke and Delta, we set out to create an experience. And that experience was to create a lounge in an airport and call it, and it was, the lounge was made for people who are sitting in the middle seat because sitting in the middle seat sucks. And airport lounges are usually reserved for first class people or, you know, sky elite is what they call them. So it's like, this was really set out to cater to people who have the unfortunate, um, you know, fate of sitting in the middle seat. So we called it the middle seat lounge. And that's, and that's, and that's sort of like what marketing looks like nowadays. It's creating these experiences versus creating ads and creating collateral. I mean, like 
granted, like those ads and those collateral still exist, but it's also like that coupled with these other experiences that get garner talk value and gain earn media. So the media talks about it and, and writes about it in the newspaper and people read about it. And that's, that's, you know, that's kind of like the new way of doing things. And, and it's really important that when you think through your ideas, like what's the great insight into that. So I think that that's, what a lot of creative ideas hinge on nowadays is a solid insight and then creating relatable work from that insight. So you mentioned Coca-Cola and another pretty large and known company that you worked with is Toyota. And in the car space, obviously that's crowded, there's legacy. So what are some of the approaches and processes you took when you joined that effort to try to be successful? Um, with car man cars cars are hard and i'll tell you why it's hard because it's 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 such a crowded space and there's been so many amazing you know ad campaigns out there for for cars volkswagen in the late 90s um and and it's it's really like you have to really think about like how you're going to position the car and really like think about a solid insight into driving and also make it intriguing because car advertising, car advertising and beer advertising, I think are the hardest because there's so much great work out there. And so you have to really find a way to be unique. And, and also, you know, clients want to see their car. Like there's, there's, there's no way around that. So you have to shoot, you know, when you go off and shoot a commercial, it's like you have to shoot a lot of sheet metal. And, and, and really, you know, if you're going to do a commercial and, and cobble that together and also add in a story. So it's, it's really, it's one of those things where people, you know, they think working on a car account is the most glamorous thing ever. And it, it can be, but it's also, it's hard, man. Like it's, it's ridiculously hard, but it's also fun because I love to look at clients and, and solve problems for them based off of, uh, you know, a solid strategy. So I think a, a good strategist within an agency or a client side uh, really helps you because they'll help you figure out what makes this car different and special. And then from there, you can then cobble together a good story or a good idea around that. What was your favorite campaign that you worked on for Toyota? Believe it or not, it was it was a it was a sales event, um, and uh, no, that's not true. Well, yeah, the, it was a sales event. It was called the it was the, called the Toyota Big One Sales Event, and and what I loved about it was it didn't take itself too serious because I think you know when you're when when you're you know like a sales event can be you know, incredibly salesy and, you know, people want to put like big tents and make it seem like very unrealistic. And we just, we just set out to make kind of dumb ads and it was fun. And we got to make a six foot tall bobblehead. And, uh, and, and it was, it was fun. There was a lot of like um, props, prop making. And then also another one I worked on was fun because it was pushing the new RAV4 and it was an opportunity to be sort of mysterious. It was a couple that was driving in a car and they happen upon this sign in the middle of nowhere that basically said, um, do not enter. 
and it was a part one and two of an ad. And the first, the first part of the ad was them just stopping and then running off into the woods. And you have no idea what, where they were going. And then the second part of the ad was them running back to the car and they were soaking wet and they hop in the RAV4 and they take off. So it's sort of like that theater of the mind of like what actually happened when they went into the woods and like, what, what were they doing? And like, what, what sort of like crazy thing were they up to? Um, so that was fun because it was intriguing. And I love doing stuff that's, you know, not in, not inherently addy, but it's very like great storytelling. So on the note of storytelling, what are some of the processes that you take yourself on when you're trying to craft a story? Um, relatable. Like what's, what's, what's something that someone's going to look at and identify with. And, and I think if you're talking to, to, um, you know, parents, right? Like being a parent is hard. And I think if you capture some of that, capture some of the pain as well as, you know, if, if a commercial is overly happy and sunny, you know, as a parent, you want to look at that and go like, that's BS, man. Like my, like my life isn't like that. Trying to get my kids to take a bath is a monumental task. And I don't want, and I want to know that whoever is made that commercial understands me and what I have to go through. Not saying that life sucks and life is hard, but that life is real and there's real moments and, and really capturing that is so important. So always try and put myself in the shoes of the person I'm trying to talk to and think about like, what have they gone through? What are they doing? And if I don't know, then I have to do some research because I don't want to come across as a, as a person that doesn't know who I'm speaking to. I'll give you one example of when I, one of my first ads I had to work on was for Mitsubishi in Canada. I, at that point in my life, I'd never been to Canada. And so here I am writing an ad for Canadians. And after I wrote the ad, we presented it to the client. The client said, this sounds like an American wrote this ad for Canadians. And I was like, exactly, that's exactly right. Cause that's what happened. And that's a shining example of like really needing to know your target and what, how they live and how they think to be able to craft a good story. So one of your recent experiences was at uh, orange theory, right? And they, I remember when they didn't exist and all of a sudden just on the map all over the place, what, what do you attribute some of their meteoric rise to? Oh man, it's such, I, I mean, I could go on for hours about how amazing Orange Theory is. Like the people that are at the top, um, the CEO, Dave Long, uh, the chief brand officer, Kevin Keith, like really good people and really smart people. And, um, you know, the, one, of the, the, one of the founders, Ellen Latham, like they just built a really good product. And, and because of that, they fostered this really amazing community. And, the, and, and you know, the, the pandemic all but, you know, sort of like tried to, tried to squash that. But because of Facebook and because of social media, a lot of, you know, the members, you know, connected via Facebook and formed these groups. And they really, it's really like, a great community because it is a great product. It's a fantastic workout. It allows you to sort of turn your brain off and just go in for an hour and not do anything except have a great workout. So I feel like 
all of that. Plus when marketing for Orange Theory, it's really important to understand the members and how they think sort of similar to crafting a good story. And I feel like Orange Theory really does understand their members. And because of that, able to create, um, you know, relatable content for them. For example, like Orange Theory at home, when, when all of the studios shut down and we had to take the, take the workout virtual, we knew that members wouldn't have weights. So what did we do? We offered up, we offered up like household items. Hey, you could go grab a couple of cans of, uh, of spaghetti sauce, or if you have paint cans lying around, or if you have a potted plant or use your dog or your kid um, as weights, because we knew that members wouldn't have that stuff. And members really, you know, jived with that. They loved it because, Hey, you know, Orange Street understands that I don't have a bunch of expensive equipment at home. So Long story short, like Orange Theory has an amazing product and also like really smart people behind the company that are, you know, pushing out content and also, uh, you know, have solid, like have like a solid grasp on who their franchisees are and, and what they want. So obviously the fitness space, especially in brick and mortar uh, is so crowded and just like cars, just like beer, soft drinks. Um, do you think that in order to penetrate the market like an Orange Theory did, do you, do you have to be a company who has loads and loads of budget or can your creative kind of compensate for that? I, I, think, I think that what you have to have is a point of difference, you know, and, and, and I'm not just talking about, uh, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, oh, we're a yoga and spinning place. Like, yeah, that's a point of difference, but does that what people want? And, and I think what Orange Theory has is they have this grasp of technology and they track all of their workouts. They have heart rate monitors. And I think, you know, using that in your creative, it's sort of like if, if you had to look at it in, you know, in like caveman terms, right? So the technology goes out and grabs all of like, the data and and like that's like that's like the hunt and then basically brings it back and the creatives and figure out a way to use that and really like let members know why this exists and why it's important and and you know when you're a when you're a workout person like you want to know that you're getting results and you want to know that your heart's getting stronger you want to know that you're your VO2 max is, you know, is, is getting better and, and just really understand that this workout is working. And I feel like Orange Theory, like an Orange Theory does know that. And that is one of the reasons why they're able to grow during a pandemic and also be successful is because they, they just, they're really smart about how they track um, the workouts. And, and I don't think that there's any other workout, uh, you know, workout outfit out there that does that. So finally, so you've talked about uh, relatability. You've talked about how technology has brought about the ability to target and understand uh, where people are, what they're doing. So and you come from the more traditional background, just being obviously that anybody who's been successful and around as long as you have has. Um, 
So where do you see this practice going in the next decade or two? I, 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 you know, honestly, like as much as I love ad agencies, I feel like unless ad agencies can adapt, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, you know, I wouldn't say a dying breed because I don't want that to happen because I think that they serve an incredible purpose and, and it's important to take sort of like, you know, it's important to take that outside of the company so you can get some other ways of thinking. So it's not very, you know, so the thoughts aren't incestuous, but also I feel like in-house and marketing in-house is going to become a big thing because it allows you to use a lot of various, um, you know, parts of the company and use that as your marketing. And also, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll force, I think, some of these clients to really give a good thought into technology and how technology can help a company grow and help a company market themselves and really lean into that. I think that that's, that's going to be huge. And, and the way clients will advertise will become smarter and smarter. All right. A big thank you to Bowen Mendelson for this awesome interview. And thank you for listening to this episode of Innovative Interactions. We really enjoyed talking to Bowen today about creative direction and across any medium that may pop up. For more tips from creatives and innovators, or if you'd like to reach out to us, visit resemble.ai. And if you have a guest you'd like to hear from, reach out to us at podcast.resemble.ai. We'd like to thank Tony and Paul for the music on the show. Catch you next time.